Hi, my name is Isabella, and today in this podcast, I will be discussing the school-to-prison pipeline. In an era in which Black Lives Matter is gaining so much traction, and we as a generation are beginning to truly recognize the inequalities that exist among races, I believe that the school-to-prison pipeline is something we need to focus on as well. To summarize for those who do not know, the school-to-prison pipeline is the criminalization of at-risk youth that is a result of the increasing severity of disciplinary actions enforced by educational institutions. Police presence in school and policies that encourage their presence, like zero-tolerance policies, are factors associated with the school-to-prison pipeline. The school-to-prison pipeline disproportionately targets racial minorities and students with disabilities, and needless to say, it has great impact on the lives of Black students with disabilities. Suspension and expulsion rates are on the rise as a result of police presence, which actively pushes kids into our criminal justice system and away from positive social interaction and adequate education, as well as possible rehabilitation services that would have greatly benefited them and changed the outcome of their lives. Upon analysis, it is arguable that the school-to-prison pipeline is a result of previous inequalities. These previous inequalities include segregation in education, concentrated poverty, and racial profiling within law enforcement. Regarding concentrated poverty specifically, we see disproportionately distributed educational resources, which is environmental neglect within schools and areas where we see this, as well as minority-dominant school districts. This is a new form of educational oppression targeting black youth. Obstacles have not disappeared since Brown versus Board of Education, but rather have just changed the form in which they are presented. Two great contributors to the school to prison pipeline theory is police presence in schools and obviously the prison system within itself. Regarding police presence, it is typically more prevalent in schools that lack essential resources and funding for these resources. Essential resources within schools include school counseling services, properly trained and qualified teachers and faculty staff, and extracurricular activities that create bonds between students and faculty. Police presence causes drastic increase in arrests among youth for nonviolent actions, establishing a record of criminal offenses, which can be a very hard thing to come back from. The police presence in school also criminalizes black students. It dehumanizes black students by promoting the idea that they need to be heavily monitored by law enforcement. It also feeds into behavioral stereotypes and social isolation due to peers' fear of association. Police presence greatly targets black youth and black male youth at much higher rates than it does white youth. And while police presence in school may reduce the threat of school shootings, there is little to no evidence supporting the claim that they make schools safer or minimize actual crimes, but rather students receive criminal punishment for minor nonviolent offenses. Regarding the prison system, the incarceration of youth causes them to experience extreme levels of violence, little to no rehabilitation, inhumane living conditions, routine cases of sexual assault, and inadequate medical resources. 
These experiences that they suffer lead to extreme degradation of mental health and lead to an inability to readjust to society outside of the confinement due to trauma and an inability to cope with the trauma. Unprocessed trauma can lead to self-harm and urges to harm others, as well as erratic behavior also resulting in physical abuse and mental abuse that is hard to break. The way the school-to-prison pipeline benefits prisons, especially private prisons, should be criminal in itself. In 2015, about 50% of juvenile detention centers are privately owned, and it is a number that has only been on the rise since. Incarceration increases the probability of them being incarcerated again. There is no incentive, incentive to rehabilitate youth because of the financial gain private prisons receive at their expense. By filling prisons to capacity, they maximize their profits and they target youth that have once been incarcerated. I was lucky enough to be able to contact someone who was a victim of the school to prison pipeline. While I'll be keeping their identity concealed, I will be sharing what they were willing to share with me in this podcast. For context, this individual was the only black individual within their wealthy and predominantly white school and one of only seven black students within the entire school district. Their first interaction with the juvenile justice system was in eighth grade. They were charged with assault. Though it was a case of self-defense and from my perspective, also arguably so. This individual hit a man that was attacking a woman And when the time came, the woman did not speak up about the incident. Due to minor violations and actions that are part of being a teenager, such as smoking weed and drinking on occasion, these were violations of his probation and he was sent to juvenile detention centers 14 times in the span of five years, even though his initial sentence was only three days. The individual said that upon reflection, the thing they would have benefited from tremendously at this time was proper counseling and school faculty that were better equipped to help at-risk students. When asked about the impact it had on them socially, they said it drastically changed the way they were perceived by their peers, isolating them in a time of need. It pushed them to fall into wrong crowds and those who were doing very criminal activities. They also mentioned the impact it had on determining their path after graduation, as well as the difficulty it presented to graduate. Prior to their arrest in eighth grade, they were on the lacrosse team in advanced math and English courses. Needless to say, their education greatly suffered. They are now in Barbara School, but there are very limited options available, and they were grateful to even have been offered this opportunity. This individual has been off probation and has not been in contact again with the prison system, but they do say that few people get a similar chance and that those they do know that fell victim to the system often became addicts or involved in gang activity, which are vicious cycles that few people make it out of alive or without a 20 to life sentence. We were asked to propose questions to open discussions. I do not have a particular question, but rather an ask of you all. I ask that collectively we do better 
as a generation when seeing those recently incarcerated or suffering from addiction, that we are not so quick to judge them in their situation, but rather that we recognize that they are possibly a victim of a system that profits off of racial oppression and a lack of rehabilitation sources that targets people at a very young age. Thank you.